0: Welcome to the Big Sky Astrology Podcast with April Elliot Kent and me, producer and co-host Jen Brown.
1: Hey friends,
0: Jen here, and of course, with me is my pod pal, astrologer April Elliot Kent.
1: Hello April. I love that I'm a pod pal. <laughs> I just love how you can put pod onto anything and have a portmanteau. Is that what those are called? Where you take two words and put them together? You've got me there. I'm not sure. Like we've talked about pod pets. We have. Which I must confess, I stole from another podcast. But yeah, pod pets, pod pals. Yeah. Well, hello, Jen. And You're my pod pal. Then you're mine. Yay. You are mine. Well, we are recording this at the beginning of the week that will live in infamy. So we can only hope that. We're still standing in the smoldering charred remains by the time everybody is listening to this, because we're kind of recording a week in advance. So that's right. The state of the world is a little fraught right now. We will just have to see what we come back to. But we just wanted to remind everybody, too, that we're putting out new episodes on Monday, because when we did start with the podcast, we promised people a new episode on Tuesday. That's right. And we just wanted to let people know that these are coming out on Monday. So be sure you get them then. And to remind everybody to rate and review the podcast. Yeah, it helps spread the word. This is what they tell me. This is what
0: they say. Well, it helps other people find the podcast because the more ratings it has, the more it shows up in the search engine when you're looking for other podcasts. So it's free, takes about a second. And if you're enjoying the show, it would really help us out if you go ahead and review it or rate it. Those are the pod facts. That's the housekeeping, the pod (laughs) housekeeping. (laughs) The pod
1: keeping. Here on the Big Sky Astrology Podcast. (laughs) Oh, thank you very much. Yeah. So we don't have quite the spectacular week this week that we had last week, astrologically speaking, but there's plenty to talk about. And of course, last week we talked about the big eclipse, the lunar eclipse and the epic conjunction of Saturn with Pluto. Yeah. It was so big, we talked about it on two episodes. So we're not going to go into it in great detail here, but we will say that on January 13th, The sun will join up with Saturn and Pluto. Okay, so the sun's joining the party. Mm -hmm. That's not a party I want to go to, but if that's your idea of a party, (laughs) Jen, it's joining the party. And the sun is the ruler of lots of things, but I was particularly thinking of its rulership of leaders and heads of state and even monarchs and this kind of thing. Mm. So this is when the official story of the Saturn-Pluto connection gets unveiled. Or this is when we see leaders and heads of states and titular heads of things collide with the hard realities of Saturn and Pluto. So on Episodes
0: 6 and 7, we talked about Saturn-Pluto, and on episode 7, we talked about the lunar eclipse, and you described it as the sound and the fury, I remember. Ah, did I? Yeah, the lunar eclipse is the sound... The Fury is Saturn-Pluto, but you're saying that we're going to hear more of the story on the 13th, the very next day. Is that right?
1: Yeah, and it's the official story. So it's not necessarily the true story, Hmm. right? Last week, we had Mercury, which we didn't really talk about on the podcast, but we had Mercury come together with Saturn and Pluto. And that, to me, was the vision of the embedded reporter, that is there on the ground seeing what's actually going on and wants to get the word out. Hmm. But Mercury had to get through Saturn and Pluto first, and then it wasn't making any other aspects before it changed signs. So we'll talk this week about Mercury changing signs, going into Aquarius. But what that said to me was, before Mercury could make any more aspects, which symbolically is Mercury getting out there and spreading the word, then the Sun is connecting with Saturn and Pluto. Mm-hmm. So instead of an unbiased, unfiltered view of what's going on, you get the official story because it's the sun. I see. So I mean that's just in the macro sense. Okay. What about on the ground in people's
0: lives? Right. That was my question. How does it affect us personally?
1: See how I anticipate you? <laughs> because I am your pod pal. <laughs> It did seem to be the obvious question. Well, yeah. (laughs) In particular, and this is something I know we're going to do a mini episode on one point, which is the rulership. Yes. Between the planets and the signs. But when we talk about rulership, we're basically just saying some planets seem to have a kinship and dominion over particular signs. They do well in those signs. Mm -hmm. So the sun is considered the ruler of Leo. So if you're a person who has planets in your chart that are in the sign of Leo, then when the sun comes together with other planets, you feel that influence a little more keenly, Hmm. we would say. Okay. So for someone like me, born with the sun in Leo, Mm -hmm. I watch the transits of the sun pretty closely because that's my ruling planet. I know it's not a planet, Jen. I wasn't going to go there this week. I know. You I brought it up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all defensive now. Uh, so <laughs> so the sun will make this conjunction with Saturn and Pluto. So to me, I say, hmm, yes, leaders, heads of state, other royalty will feel this. But Leos, <laughs> like myself, definitely will be feeling that conjunction between the sun with Saturn and Pluto on January 13th. If
0: people know their chart and their Leo rising also. Yes, absolutely.
1: Yeah. So that's just something special to keep an eye on. Mm-hmm. The sun is the general life force, the animating influence of the world, we might say, well, as the Sun comes together with Saturn and Pluto, people might have a tendency to get sick a little more easily. Mm -hmm. It is cold and flu season, and it's very possible that people, their resistance is down a little bit and a little more susceptible to things, we might say. Mm -hmm. And that the general sense when the Sun is coming together with such difficult planets that it's a little bit hard to feel, oh... I don't want to say optimistic about things. That's not a sun word so much. It's hard to feel you have the energy to tackle what needs to be tackled. Because it's so heavy. Yeah, so it's a little bit of a, it's a bump in the road this week. I'd say January 13th is a little bit difficult from that point of view. Mm-hmm. But on the same day... Venus will enter Pisces. Okay. And that's a much nicer state of affairs.
0: Let me back up for one second, because you mentioned Saturn and Pluto and health aspects. Is it specific health aspects that those two planets rule? Or is that a whole discussion that we should go into sometime?
1: They would rule particular parts of the body and particular tendencies toward illness. Mm -hmm. But I think I was just looking at the Sun as a general symbol of vitality i see so if you're looking in individual's birth chart and they're curious about health issues you're going to look at the sun you know a person can get very sick with something and bounce right back and another person might get sick with the same thing and just languish yeah. and a lot of times it has to do with the spirit of the individual and the life force in them and that's what the sun would represent okay. so the sun coming together with saturn and pluto which are kind of dark limiting, undermining influences. Mm -hmm. It just speaks generally of more possibility of ill health. Mm -hmm. Okay, But it's a very short transit. Again, we'll feel that for a couple of days. But if you've generally, like you've been fighting off a flu for three weeks, and then we get this You might be a little more apt to come down with something. Okay. Thank you for that. You're welcome. Back to Venus and Pisces. Yes, let's go to Venus. So Venus is the ruling planet of Taurus and Libra. Right. So if you're a person with many planets in those signs, then you'll watch Venus changing signs or making aspects very closely. And I know you have many planets that are ruled by Venus, dear Jen. I do. I do indeed. So we will watch this one with some interest. Uh So Venus is moving from Aquarius, which we talked about on some episode that I'm sure you have recall of. (laughs) And... Uh, Thank God for Jen, And it will enter Pisces. Now, it does exceptionally well in Pisces. It is what we say is exalted in Pisces. So is... Okay,
0: I understand rulerships because I've memorized what planet rules what sign. Mm -hmm. I understand when a planet is in its detriment that it's in the opposite sign. So a chart is a circle. It's exactly 180 degrees away from it. And if a sign, like if Venus rules Libra, then it's in its detriment in Aries, right? Right. But this whole exalted business, <laughs> I don't understand how you can know what planets are exalted and what signs. Is there an easy way to know that or do
1: I just need to memorize that? As far as I know? Mm-hmm you memorize them yeah so venus exalted in pisces makes sense you'd think almost anything should be exalted in pisces or sagittarius because that's ruled by jupiter which is supposed to be very fortunate mm-hmm. but venus in pisces we say that venus does some of her best work there so a planet in its the sign that it rules is almost too much power mm. it's almost too concentrated of an energy it's like if you get laundry detergent, you know, when you put it straight into the laundry, well, with certain kinds of fabrics, you're going to want to water that down a little bit first because it's just too much. Mm-hmm. So the idea of exaltation, the sign of exaltation is it actually is freed from some of the pressure that comes with being in the sign that it rules in a way. And it's free to just express itself in a really, really beneficial way. Mm. So we say Venus in Pisces, well, she's just free to really do her best work there. And I mean, she's very strong in Taurus and Libra yeah. as well, but especially happy in Pisces. So then is Venus in her detriment when
0: she's in Virgo because it's the opposite sign or are they all different? She's in her fall in Virgo. Okay. In her fall. Yeah. So if I knew that Venus was exalted in Pisces, then I would know because it's the opposite sign that she would be in her fall in Virgo. Yes.
1: So really exaltation is the one you have to learn. Yeah. Okay. I'll get my Mercury in Virgo on that. <laughs> you do that. Or <laughs> Mercury in Aquarius, which we'll talk about <laughs> later. So Venus is exalted in Pisces. Okay. And really, you know, I told you about a story that I wrote about a long time ago mm-hmm. about my mother who was born with Venus and Pisces. And the lovely thing about her was she never met a stranger, she could talk to anybody, she was very loving, very open. I'm very empathetic. Mm-hmm. And I told the story once on my website of you know, my mom was so generous with people and we never knew who was going to be sleeping on our couch when we'd get up in the morning uh-huh. and go, why do we have this tiny little tract house and it was already pretty full with all of us in it. And then we would wake up and there'd be some rando stranger sleeping <laughs> on our sofa. Oh. But that is a little bit of how Venus and Pisces works. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't really have a strong sense of boundaries between self and others. The lovely part of that, of course, is you get a very loving, empathetic, sensitive soul, but also very vulnerable, very vulnerable to being exploited deceived.
0: Yeah. Here's something interesting. Hmm. This story actually makes me think of Fred Rogers. Oh, yes. Joni and I went on a weekend trip and we always, we've talked about how we listen to podcasts in the car. Mm -hmm. Well, we started listening to the podcast Finding Fred. Ah, yes. Have you listened to this podcast? I haven't listened to it yet. I've been saving it. It's really interesting. It's from iHeartRadio. So I'm just going to give them a little shout out because I'm really enjoying this podcast. Mm -hmm. But I looked up the chart for Fred Rogers, his birth chart, and he has Venus in Pisces. Of course. Of course. She says, of course. The astrologer well, of course, says, of course. Because he
1: is the acme of unconditional love. Yeah. And that's the promise of Venus and Pisces is that I love you just the way you are, you know? Yeah. His is conjunct Mercury. Nice. Like right on it. He walked it like he talked it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah very, very sweet. And, you know, I have lots of planets in Virgo and nothing in Pisces, unless you count Chiron, which I don't tend to. Uh, We'll do an episode on Chiron sometime. We'll do an episode on April's complicated relationship with Chiron. I'll study up. I'll do the episode. (laughs) And I'll sit in the background and throw peanuts at you. Uh, So I had a lot to learn from my very loving mother with this unconditional regard for others and helpfulness and empathy and sweetness. Because Virgo's job is very different. Virgo's job is to separate the wheat from the chaff and be very discerning Uh and to have standards and to want to enforce those. Now, mom had the moon in Virgo, so she did a certain amount of that as well. And I think that kind of kept the Venus and Pisces in line a little bit. Mm -hmm. But for the next, well, let's say between January 13th, when Venus goes into Pisces, through February 8th, when it will move into its next sun, I think the um, cosmic dictate would be be gentler. Be more empathetic, be more loving and sensitive, be more like Mr. Rogers. Yeah.
0: And we could sure use that this week Mm -hmm. as it's January 6th that we're recording.
1: Yeah, because we've all been through a lot in the last couple of months Mm -hmm. and with the eclipse and with the Saturn, Pluto and all of that. So being a little bit gentler with each other and with ourselves. Yeah. I think is something good to keep in mind as Venus is going through Pisces.
0: Mm -hmm. I like little Venus in Pisces. That's lovely. And I love that story of your mom. And I have to say, it really reminds me, my dad has told stories of his mom and how people would be staying Mm -hmm. over at their house. And I wonder where her Venus was.
1: I don't know. That's so sweet. It's such a nice quality, isn't it? Yeah. But it also left my sister and I scarred for life. And like (laughs) we're kind of like, we have a lot of boundaries around having people come to stay because (laughs) of that. But yeah, it's really interesting. For the fear that they'll move in. (laughs) Exactly. Well, I think I told him the same story too about, you know, some of the less desirable qualities of Venus and Pisces as I interpreted them, where mom didn't have a real strong grasp of financial matters. Okay. Because Pisces is a little diffuse. It doesn't really work on a practical level per se. Yeah. And
0: the opposite sign Virgo is very mathematical, right? Yeah.
1: I mean, I think of it that way. Would have its paperwork up to date yeah. already for the text. Matter. Exactly. And some Venus and Pisces people, I'm sure are that way, but mom was not one of them and she didn't quantify the world in that way. Yeah, And so we picked up some sort of lax financial habits early on <laughs> from watching mom. Eventually my Virgo planets triumphed, but yeah, that was a bit tough. And the eating habits. I told the story of she used to take us to get hostess cupcakes and Pepsi for breakfast. You know, thank you, mom. My dentist thanks you for that. (sighs) Um, So.
0: Uh, That's a great story. I mean, you Pisces, know, just, yeah, I love Pisces. You gotta Pisces. love her,
1: right? You gotta love her yeah. because the overall package was so so delightful uh, and so warm, and uh-huh. just like Mister Rogers, you know, it's like it's such a beautiful legacy of love mm-hmm. that such people leave. So let's all work on leaving something of that kind of imprint on the world. Yeah, I think in the next few weeks, this is a good time to do it too. We could use that. Absolutely, nice.
0: Well, Mercury's
1: also making a change this week. Mm-hmm. He is also moving into a sign that he's very strong in. So Mercury is the ruling planet of Gemini and Virgo. Yes. So we know he struggles a little bit in Sagittarius and Pisces. Right. I'm with you. He has to work a little harder in those signs. And he's considered very strong in Aquarius. Okay. Where he's very scientific, but with sudden deductive leaps that is very adept at projects with a technical focus or that are designed to reach a mass audience, very inspired, very good ideas, very innovative, Mm -hmm. makes interesting connections between seemingly unrelated things. Mercury in Aquarius is really good. It's considered strong because Mercury's functions are supposed to be very uncomplicated by subjectivity or by emotion. Okay. So it excels in Aquarius. Yeah. It struggles then in Leo, because Leo is nothing if not subjective. Right. So with Mercury in Leo, we have, you know, in the king's court, there was always supposed to be a fool who was the one person that could tell the king when he was being a jerk, or when he was wrong. Mm -hmm. And if you have Mercury in Leo, or too close to the sun, what you have is the sense of a yes man, a fool that won't tell the leader when there's something wrong. Oh, that's
0: really interesting because Mercury is close to the sun physically.
1: Yes. Okay. So its job generally is to interpret for the king Mm -hmm. and to get messages back and forth and to be a good press agent. But once he starts to believe the official line... Mm
0: Yeah. I hear what you're saying, but I have to say, I would think as someone that doesn't know as much astrology that since Mercury physically and naturally is close to the sun anyway, that he would be more comfortable there than in a sign like Aquarius. But I hear what you're saying about the fact that distance perhaps is what makes him stronger. It's the
1: objectivity. Mm -hmm. And I think what I'm saying is comfort may not be the best thing. For Mercury, yes. he may be more comfortable close to the sun. Mm-hmm. And Mercury kind of is. Mercury is like the little brother that, in many ways, is more comfortable hanging around the popular big brother. Because think how much less pressure and responsibility there is when you're not the person everyone's watching and paying attention to and listening to. You get to just recede into the background and then make some funny statement here and there. Mm-hmm. That's what you see Gemini people do a lot, Mercurial people. And Mercury and Leo, I have Mercury and Leo and I love my Mercury. It's very artistic. It's very creative. It's very expressive. I certainly have done a lot with it. And I'm very happy with my Mercury, but I do know it gives me a lot of blind spots yeah. where I'm very, I just can't see past my own story of how things are. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. I like that image of the sun all big and shiny and that Mercury can't see past that because the sun is so big. I really like examples where I can physically look out into the cosmos and mm-hmm. picture it. When Mercury even goes went across the face of the sun a month or two ago, mm-hmm. it's just this little speck. Yeah. And it yeah. makes no difference on the darkness during the day. Right. It shuts out nothing of that light.
1: <laughs> Right, the sun is huge. Yeah, there's a reason sun sign astrology works as well as it does, uh. <laughs> to the degree it does. Yeah, because we're okay. all about our sun. We're all about our solar selves and how the whole world rotates around us. Mm-hmm. Mercury's job is to keep us honest about that and to say, well, the whole world actually does not revolve around you, mm-hmm. and to let conflicting views enter in and to help us get objective and rationally examine things. So that's why we say it does very well in Aquarius. So how
0: come Mercury is not exalted in Aquarius then?
1: It is. Oh, it is. Yeah. It's okay. exalted
0: in Aquarius and in its fall in Leo. Got it. Yeah. I don't know if I heard that word.
1: Oh, I probably lapsed out of the lingo. No. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were saying that it's strong, but not necessarily yeah, exalted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, it's exalted. All right. It's considered very strong there. Yeah. Mercury's exalted in Aquarius. Got it. So we praise him. We come to praise him. Mm-hmm. So from January 16th through February 4th, while Mercury is in Aquarius, it's a good time to tackle technical projects. For instance, I've been trying to find the time to do a companion website for our podcast. I will probably tackle that while Mercury's in Aquarius. Yay! It's perfect for, yay, it's perfect for that kind of thing. If you've been wanting to up your social media game, Mercury in Aquarius is a great time to do that. Okay. Starting to get stuff together for your taxes. Perfect time to do that. So use this clear, rational, systematic. Cause remember Aquarius is co-ruled by Saturn. Yes. So it's like combining the energies of Mercury with Saturn. So think in terms of, again, list making and schedules and long-term planning, as we were talking about before the podcast. Yeah.
0: Now, since Mercury's entering Aquarius, that means shortly thereafter it will square Uranus, right? It will indeed. Because Uranus is at two or three degrees of Taurus, Taurus. and Mercury's Mm -hmm. moving pretty quickly right now. Mm -hmm. So he will enter Aquarius on the 16th, and I believe it was the 18th that you said is when he'll square Uranus.
1: Right. What can you tell us about that? There is some kinship between Aquarius and Uranus. We would say Uranus is considered the modern ruler of Aquarius the ancients of course before they knew to, knew about the existence of uranus they would use saturn to rule aquarius yes which i feel of all the sign relationships to those outer planets those fairly modern planets i really see the dual rulership mm. of saturn and uranus over aquarius it's a very contradictory sign yeah so mercury in any event making a square to uranus which has this affinity with aquarius says this is the moment when the fool gets to say something really startling and really shocking that sets the court on its ear. Okay, So that's when all the stories come out. So remember, I was talking about the sun coming together with Saturn and Pluto and how that's the official story. Right. That's the story the king wants you to hear. Official in air quotes. (laughs) Yes, in air quotes. That's the story that the leadership wants us to hear. Or the way it wants to be framed. And I'm not talking politically here. I'm just talking generally at a macro level. Uh And Mercury squaring Uranus. And Mercury's kind of been quiet. He hasn't been saying a lot. And as he goes into Aquarius, and then especially when he squares Uranus a couple of days later, it's, oh, more information is coming to light. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit startling, a little bit unexpected. So that's for a lot of us. It just, you know, depends on where it's happening in your life. And for that, you would look at the house that has Aquarius, because that's where Mercury will be, and the house that Uranus has been inching its way through Taurus in in your chart. okay, It hasn't gained much ground in a year and a half that it's been in Taurus. No, it sure hasn't. Still only at like two degrees or something. (laughs) I'm like, come on, let's move it along.
0: Because from our perspective on Earth, Uranus moves forward and then it moves backwards and then it moves forwards. And we talked about the station last week in episode seven. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've heard that Uranus is the higher octave of Mercury.
1: And I think that's why we would consider it exalted in aquarius it's the same as neptune is considered the higher octave of venus Venus. so it's exalted in pisces
0: mars is the lower octave of don't tell me pluto right yeah
1: so they share the rulership of scorpio okay does it make sense to you that way more so yes yeah so the moon is doing things this week. What's up with the moon? As she is wont to do. She does something every week. She does. And yeah. this is why we have our moon
0: watch segment here of the podcast. We should have some music that goes with the moon watch segment.
1: do, do, do. do, do, do. <laughs> Breaking news. Last quarter moon. (laughs) (laughs) And this one's in late Libra. It's at almost 27 degrees of Libra. It has an evocative Sabian symbol. We talked about Sabian symbols last week. Yes, we did. And it's an airplane hovering overhead, which is the story of Jen's life. Because she lives (laughs) in a flight path. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Maybe I do. Maybe you do. And I liked what I read about this because I think it was Blaine Bovey, who we linked to last time for an episode. Yeah. The guy that looks like Jimmy Stewart. Oh, does he look like He does a little bit. Yeah. Uh-huh. He's a super cool guy. So the thing he said about this, again, I'm paraphrasing terribly. I just grab a little nuggets from that and run. But he said, yeah, you know, the thing about an airplane hovering overhead is how it captures your attention. Mm. That's something just unusual in the sky. And you're kind of wondering, wow, what's going to happen? Is this going to fall? What's it doing? So the last quarter moon, I think, has this element to it of something catching our attention. Mm -hmm. And the last quarter moon itself, of course, is square the sun because that's what a quarter moon is. But it's also square Mercury, Saturn, and Pluto, and it's opposed to (sighs) Uranus. So it's a very busy last quarter moon. Yeah. I don't think I need anything else to capture my attention. (laughs) I don't see. I'm feeling the same way. It's nothing but attention (laughs) all the time. So with the last quarter moon, it's a very particular kind of attention. What's that? Even though we're at the beginning of the year and we're thinking forward, the last quarter moon is always looking back mm. and reviewing. And after the initial excitement of the new year, you know, we're already now two weeks into the new year. Right. And after that initial, wow, I'm gonna break out my new planner and I'm gonna plot my strategy for the year and all of that, the last quarter says, Okay, but take one more look back mm-hmm. and something will probably capture your attention that you hadn't seen before. Something it's a little bit startling. Mm. Something that makes you go, oh man! I thought I was done with that, but I have to go back and I skipped a step. Okay, and that to me is all those squares to those Capricorn planets—the mm-hmm. Sun and Mercury and Saturn and Pluto—going back and say, okay, well, what did I miss? And correcting that before
0: moving forward, which is appropriate during January. January's named after the Roman god Janus, with two heads—one looking forward and one looking backward. Exactly so.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's what we're called to do with this last quarter moon. I just wanted to give a quick little plug for people that may not be subscribed to my mailing list. So I have this mailing list. So you sign up at bigskyastrology.com forward slash subscribe, or just go to bigskyastrology.com and look anywhere. There's a thousand places to sign up. But the reason I mention it is I do this little workbook. It's called Working with the Moon. Mm -hmm. Have you ever downloaded it? I sure have, yes. Oh, have you? Oh, awesome. Okay. are great. It comes out at every new moon and it covers the major lunations for the month, the new and full moons and the two quarter moons. And it shows all the void of course moon times and the moon going into signs and all of that. So, I think it's kind of a handy little reference.
0: And I want to say April doesn't know I was going to say this, but it's free. And yeah, this is something you would pay for somewhere else that she's offering for free. So, I really encourage people to sign up at bigskyastrology.com. It's on the main page there. You can find it really easily. So,. Go ahead and sign up. Well, you won't regret thank it. You, thank you, Jen. Thank you very much. And I'm yeah.
1: glad you're enjoying it. It is something I'm very happy to be able to offer to people. Yeah, for free. Yeah, and because it's new each month, it gives you a reason to stick around, really, on the mailing list. So check that out. So you'll learn more about the last quarter moon in Libra. I have some thoughts about that in there, and see what you think. With Libra, always it's somewhat relationship-oriented as well, right? Yeah. Something in a relationship gets our attention sometimes and makes us look back and say, oh, I guess I should have been a little more careful there, or there was some ground I needed to cover additionally.
0: But Venus is in Pisces. She's relationships too. She is relationships. She's saying be compassionate.
1: Be nice to each other. Be kind. <laughs> Well, this, have we talked yet on the podcast about my love of Bob Ross, the painter? <laughs> oh, my God. I love this man. I love this man. <laughs> And I'll bet you, right now... That just cracked me up really fast. At least half the people who are listening to this podcast are going, oh, the guy with the fro, and he has the happy little trees. I'm falling asleep every night listening to Bob Ross. I do not need to see him paint. Every painting is exactly the same. (laughs) They're fascinating, but that's not why I'm there. I'm I'm all about the voice, (laughs) the kindness and sweetness of the voice. And the interesting thing about him is he started life as a drill sergeant in the military. And as I recall, the story was that he said, no, I decided that's not the person I wanted to be, Mm -hmm. and I would never raise my voice again. Hmm. Interesting. And so he has that beautiful, gentle, very Venus and Pisces kind of vibe when he talks about his happy little trees. Wow. And does he actually have Venus and Pisces? Do you know? I don't know. I huh. did look it up at one point, but I can't remember. Curious. We'll put it in the show notes. We haven't said that to <laughs> we, well, so we haven't done it yet.
0: <laughs> we usually do it at least two or three times each episode. We have
1: something. And I don't think we've talked about what we're watching on television, although we did talk about it before we. Yes. Oh, well, and let's just fold it in because I think it's very in keeping, actually, with the symbolism of the sun conjunct Saturn Pluto which was we watched that movie, The Two Popes, on Netflix, right? Which was really fascinating, the story of Pope Benedict and Pope Francis. How do you see that related to Saturn-Pluto? Because the Pope is a solar figure, right? Mm -hmm. It's the leader. It's the head of the state. It's the heart of the entire religion, right? Mm -hmm. And coming together with Saturn and Pluto, to me, every time I'm seeing that Saturn and Pluto, I'm looking for stories of two figures, of two people who come together together and have to resolve some kind of difficulty and in their case it was structural difficulties with the church so it was that's the saturn issue mm-hmm. okay. and the pluto issue kind of speaks for itself we all know about the scandals that have been pervasive in the catholic church right yeah so yeah so that was my netflix astrological recommendation <laughs> for the week we thank ongoing sponsor netflix we hope <laughs> Ongoing
0: sponsor, we hope. Exactly. If you're out there listening and you're some bigwig at Netflix, hey, hey you could be our
1: sponsor. Us? Why not us? That's all we're saying. <laughs> we don't know who our listeners are. <laughs> they could be super famous, influential people. That's so right. Get on it, folks. All right. Well, have we done it? We have done it. We've done it plus some, I think. I think and then mm-hmm. some. So we want to thank you all for listening to the Big Sky Astrology Podcast. If you like what you're hearing, we implore you, again to please subscribe so you don't miss a single episode please do yes we will see you again bright and early next monday and until then
0: keep your feet on the ground and your eyes on the stars